Hello and welcome to episode two of A Humanistic Perspective. Um, we are very happy to be joining you today and uh, can't wait to get into our episode here, which is called The Devastating State of the Collegiate System. Um, I am happy to be joined here today with... I'm Lily. And... Ethan. Um, and if you want to go back and check out epi episode one, you're going to hear a little bit about us. And uh, I'm thinking here in the next coming weeks, we'll do feature episodes where we talk in long form. Um, but just a quick introduction, about a little bit about what our show is. Um, if you're new to our show, this is a unique outlet for us to sort of express and create a pretty open dialogue and perspective on being born in uh, Gen Z, um, which, is, which is pretty cool. So everything in our show is all about uh, trying to new coffees and teas and sharing our lifestyle, thoughts, highlights, interviews, and news that's happening in this crazy world of ours. Um, so we're very happy to have a exciting episode for you. Here we go. Um, so today, let me, let me give you a little brief here. We're going to be hitting for our coffee, another big shoulder coffee today. We are doing their Colombian roast. So Ethan, do you want to go ahead and actually pour us a cup here? Sure. Yeah, great. Um, also today, we'll be discussing over our lawn form, our, our topic of today is going to be the nature of the collegiate system as of 2021. What's going on? What needs to be changed? Um, and, and, and sort of where, where it's at, what the history of how we've gotten to where it is. And uh, we're really excited to bring you, bring you that episode. Um, again, here, this is where I would normally plug a sponsor for the show, but uh, we don't seem to have one yet. So if, if you're hearing this and you'd love to reach out and be a sponsor for our show, our email is a humanistic perspective podcast at gmail.com. Um, and we'd, we'd love to hear from you. All right, let's get into this morning episode here. So I see, Ethan, you already took an uh, a sip there of our coffee. How, yeah, how I've, had about a, it? I've had a slow morning, slow start. Yeah, t tell me about your day. What, what's going on here? How's your, how's your week? What's been the business of your focus this week? Which, which one of your businesses would you say you've been working on? What day is it today, Wednesday? Yeah, today's Wednesday, so you've had three days into the week. Mm, it's been a big week for Silverwings, just because I have a lot I'm trying to get done with an expansion going on for next month. Um, so I've been very, very, very busy with that. And then I just got a lot going on in my mind with that. So it keeps me running up late at night, but yeah, I'd, I'd say primarily Silverwings has been working on some stuff with an expansion. We're adding a few more vehicles and, uh, we're adding some new roles within the company. So just trying to get all that organized. Nice. Um, I'm curious to find out and it might help for listeners. What has been, would you say the biggest challenge you've been faced in the recent coming weeks and the, uh, biggest relief or success point that you've reached in these last like two or three weeks with dealing with all this? I would say the biggest challenge for me would be making sure that I'm on top and balancing all my different companies and all the different motions that are going on within each company. Yeah. So making sure I'm putting adequate time into each um, to be make sure that I'm going on the process that I have for the growth of my companies for 2021. So that's probably the hardest challenge, but I think I've gotten a lot more organized um, just as far as even reminders, calendar dates, and, and stuff like that have really helped me stay on track. I think that's been super helpful. Um, and you said one of the, um, the, the biggest like reliefs or like, uh, th something that's been very successful recently that you're like, oh, okay, I'm glad we've yeah. hit this milestone or I'm glad we yeah. did this. Um, like for, I guess I would say specific for, yeah. for us, I mean, we just looking at that property, um, yeah. for, for our, for our one business, that's been great. I think that's 
Got to share dr- a little bit of, of details on maybe what, what, what we're looking to yeah, do. Yeah, so we're looking, we're looking right now, we're looking at this property um, about five miles from Yorkville in a small town. Um, and it's about a 10,000 square foot building. Um, half would be, half is uh, about 8,000 square feet is just uh, storage space and stuff like that for um, our trucks to do maintenance, to do wholesaling out of their mechanic shop. And then um, we have about 4,000 square feet of office space that we're going to kind of divide up to have a multi-workspace between my companies. Yep. Um, and we'll actually be building uh, a new podcast studio there in there. So it'll be exciting once we get all moved in there. So For that's sure. something really to look forward to. Um, I think overall, though, I think the biggest accomplishment right now would be we just got another vehicle up and running, got the drivers Beautiful. going, and everything's been really good. And then Jake, Where our best friend, the state is the that, uh, new vehicle fleet. We just added another vehicle down in Peoria, so okay, we're trying. Cool. We're doing a a pretty good dominance down in Peoria, and I think we'll make a good presence down there. And we're hoping to partner with uh, hospitals, OSF, and stuff like that down there. So that's kind of our primary primary. Um, location we're trying to really expand this year and take over Um, and then we'll go into a few other areas throughout Illinois but my greatest thing I would say so far this year is um, allowing Jake one of our good friends to kind of grow in his role and it's super cool to see how guiding someone and when they're able to learn in a certain industry they can grow so well and it's just you gotta you gotta learn how to present it to a certain type of person the right way just so they can understand it because not everyone learns the same. No, totally agreed, totally agreed. I wanted to go back and touch the coffee here real quickly before, Lil, I ask you about your week. Um, again, like I said, we're drinking a Colombian. That is the name of their roast. It's one of their house roasts, and it's a, just a mild medium blend, a medium dark blend, I would say. Um, and they say here on it, I like balanced, this coffee much better. sweetly nut-toned, so make it, uh, make it solid, go-to everyday cup of coffee go-to everyday cup of coffee yeah like i would say this is um this is a perfect coffee for me way better yeah. like what? i don't mind drinking much more than yesterday's sorry was yesterday's uh light roast no yeah yeah um, monday for our episode we oh, actually monday. had uh, i believe it was their bold slugger roast okay was that a light or dark or medium uh, it was it was a medium medium okay. roast as well so okay both have been a uh, pretty pretty traditional house blend middle of the road brews uh, but yeah, I would agree. I, I, the, the, I taste that nutty aspect of this coffee, um, and it's just really solid. It, 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 it's not offensive at all. Um, it sits on the tongue really nicely. Hits the front of my palate more than the back of my palate. Some of the coffees like linger like sludgy, I feel like. like specifically uh, American Airlines when I fly with them, when I drink their coffee, it like it's so like uh, just like airline quick coffee that it just sits at the back of my tongue and, and I can feel it mostly there. But this one's really mild, light on the front of the tongue, salad roast. So Lil, I wanted to, uh, before we get into our episode here, let's, let's cut, catch up with you. What's going on with your week? So I start my Wabansi classes next week on the 19th on Tuesday. I'm super excited for those. I'm going to really get into the bulk of my business classes so then I can graduate in the fall. I'm super excited about that. And I started my CSC classes like two weeks ago now. This is my second week. It's um, all my cannabis classes. So I'm taking currently history and dispensary operations, which is really interesting. The cannabis history is insane. 
we'll definitely have to have a podcast about that. <laughs> yeah, I would. I would really like to. Maybe we could even do one of our Friday features with your professor. Mm-hmm. That might be an interesting. And where's that school based out of Ohio, correct? Yeah, it's in um, Cleveland, Ohio, and Columbian. Columbia, Columbus, Columbus, Columbus. lol. <laughs> <laughs> no, totally okay. Yeah, I believe Ethan. They started and headquartered in Columbus, okay. then created a Cleveland location, or it might be vice versa. I, again, Are the I law like why? It was why Cleveland were they... first. Okay. Yep. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Are the laws just like? Mm, like why would they, is there a so, reason why the school started there kind of just where the founders are from yeah that's a good question though. actually i don't remember that part of it specifically of like what laws were created but i know that they are um getting the paperwork in to have their school accredited and they're almost there they put the paperwork in they're just waiting on a response form but since so what is accredited i mean i so guess so an accredited in, this is good cuz we're talking about college today an accredited institution is in, um here let's let's look it up formally but it's basically a, a formal process that that validates or from a government or like a federal perspective to get loans funding and this sort of thing mm. it, it shows it's like a status almost like when we talk about a yeah. llc or a 501c3 you know i get it but saying. it's difficult for them to get that because cannabis is not federally legalized yet so that's why it's taking them a little bit to get it but they signed the paperwork they put it in so hopefully they'll get a response soon Um, yeah it's an official authorization process and the general definition of accredited is to be officially authorized or approved um, and so the U.S. sort of sets standards for that, as well as states do too. I think. And how upda- like do they update those standards every it's, year? It's yeah, there's hefty boards and and tons of people that are on that. But again, we'll get into this whole. I don't know how it is with 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 your school or what they're going through, but we'll get into the collegiate system and sort of the processes and systematic system that's in place, pretty much that has created corruption and and the people that are in charge are sort of they have a lot of control are so, the laws for are the laws stricter in ohio for cannabis or consuming oh it yes to, okay so to illinois yeah let's just say in in ohio you can't combust cannabis you have to oh, it's eat medical it. there yes mm, it's you medical. can vaporize it or you can use wax in a vaporizer but you cannot combust i had a friend when i was attending university in ohio um he was going to school at CSC as well. Um, originally started at my institution and then transferred and moved on. Um, but he had to go, I, at, when he was getting his medical card, his parents were in the medical field in Ohio and still he, I think, even had to go out uh, to Michigan to get approved and to go through it all. And I, at first, uh, I believe the only dispensary that he could go to was actually right across the state lines. Wow. And now there's finally, I believe, a couple medical in, in Cleveland. I know there's one um, of medicinal dispensaries. There's tons everywhere now. Yeah. So it's it's quickly gaining attraction there, but it's a, it, it will, I, I hope it will come. I hope they'll get full legalization at some point there. Um, so yeah, so I'm just starting those classes and I'm also getting together all of my information for Just Baking Goods. I'm hoping to start a subscription monthly base type of thing where I have one baked good a month and then maybe something for birthdays, but we'll see. I'm still putting all that information together. Hopefully I'll have it all out by Valentine's Day so I can do a Valentine's Day sale. But And the last thing is pretty much just getting my cannabis business information together and just some information together on the crops i'm going to be growing for this next year i'm hoping to do a bunch of tomatoes and basil and peppers Mm -hmm. and all that sorts of stuff and definitely start berries too no it's awesome we're still reaping the rewards of our last season we made tons of uh sauces and we made salsa we made Mm -hmm. uh, pasta sauce we We had so many tomatoes we couldn't even keep up with them it was great (laughs) yeah 
Yeah, I know. I got a lot going on today, so that's it's for gonna sure. be a busy day. So why don't we why don't we jump on in yep. and get into the bulk of this episode? So this is episode two, the devastate, the devastating state of the collegiate system. Um, so I want to give a little background and break down this episode with the history and how we've gotten to where we've gotten. So if we go back here and we look, colleges sort of, you know, Harvard was the first institution to develop really in the United States. Um, and, and it was an all boys school at the beginning of its time. This is back in, I believe, 1930s, even before that, way before that. Um, and, and after that, we sort of see the next big transition for colleges in 1944 with the passing of the GI Bill. Um, which after war, all these all these veterans were coming back now, and they need you know, uh, they're displaced. They need places to go. They need things to do. And so the GI Bill gets passed, and it made colleges huge. Um, it afforded new opportunities, not necessarily for everyone yet, but new opportunities for for just a working class, and, and specifically men at this point in time. Then we transform and move forward into like 1957, um, and what's happening at this point in time? That's when Russia releases Sputnik which is their uh, space program, and it's the first thing that they launch into space, um, which is a really exciting, pivotal moment. But at the same time, we're butting heads and paired up directly with them here in the United States. It's a battle for science and mathematics. So what happens? The United States government uses effective marketing and starts proposing all of these uh, um, strategies to try and get studies in math and science to be important and to be vital for the institution and for saving our country and democracy, which was quite exciting. So then we move forward and we get to 1960s, right? And we have the civil rights movement, which was huge and, and a vital step in both women and minorities getting their chance and their opportunities to attend colleges now and the expansion of more institutions opening up and giving new opportunities. Um, then we move on to 1977. This is when shit starts to hit the fan systematically from a financial perspective. So what, what's happening here? 1977 hits in the taxpayers' revolt. There was a uh, taxpayer revolt at the time, um, which meant that loans were becoming huge, right? The, the, there was a taxpayer revolt and, and a systematic change, and it, it started to bring loans on. And so at this point, college was now open and something that everyone was going to do, but they were doing it off loans, right? The marketing, the idea behind school was let's go get a loan and get it. And at this time, I believe you can get a loan for college, the entire thing from start to end would have been like $750. It was so cheap back then. I remember my parents saying- $750, that's the cost for your books for one semester. One semester yeah. now. So keep, let me keep going here. 1983, we start to get the inception of you know, data, um, marketing, and communication from 1983 through the 2000s. And, and really what happens is, is institutions started to grow, their trust funds started to grow, their endowments started to grow, everything started to flourish. Do we know class sizes back then? I, I don't, we can go look at some statistics for that. But so basically, right, all these institutions say, oh, we're grandeur. In order to bring the best talent, we need to build big buildings and spend a lot of money, hire the best staff and do all this stuff. So what did they do at this time? They do all that and, and through the 1980s and 2000s, they build these elaborate campuses and these elaborate images of what they are. And at the same time, states and the senates and everything starts to uh, shift and they're moving towards um, giving less funding to colleges. So who is getting the burden of that? Well, they put it on the tuition. They put it on revenue and tuitions. So most institutions right now are sur surviving solely on two things. One, their endowments, the money they have saved, investments, uh, you know, things like that, that nature. 
Um, and then the second is tuition, enrollment, and other revenues, right? And that. Right. Um, and we've gotten to a point now where the cost of college has gotten so high comparative to the income that is being earned per household, per earners, that I think we're seeing the beginning and the change of what college will be. But let's get into this and talk a little bit. And I want to I want to hear some of your guys' perspectives and thoughts on sort of maybe the history of that. And then we'll, we'll talk more structurally on what's going on today. So I have more knowledge on the finances for this today. Um, Ethan, I, do you have any more insight on the history no, of like, colleges uh, or that? like what do you think about what i what i had to share there with the with the inside of it it's it's pretty interesting i think to see how government and and the fundamental institutions sort of played a large oh, role yeah. in, it's, in how this changed and shift over time what's funny to me is the fact that colleges cost so much and i feel like it's not worth it when you come out the other side and you have all that debt and you have to pay it back and say you get a teaching job at 30k a year and then you have to pay about 100k in debt over how many years usually it takes teachers about 30 years to pay that back sometimes longer sometimes shorter if they're lucky but yeah. it really takes a long time yeah and i think what we're we're talking about here is the economic not non-economic understanding of an 18 year old right what we do is we tell all of these kids at, at a young age to take on all this assumed debt at a, probably a minimum of 25k a year for four years and then at the end of it they expect to come out and it's just going to be in their hands it's it's interesting it's almost as if today's society we have shifted and we sort of look at college as an insurance policy i think families have taught kids and are and and like that whole idea of oh you need to go to college because it's it's the only fundamental path it's the only way that's going to make you successful it's like this fake insurance policy it's almost this uh, reassurance in in nothing really if you think about it because if that kid isn't determined doesn't understand what they want to do and they're questioning why they're even there are they really getting anything beneficial out of that? So here's a little bit more statistics and go on background knowledge coming from the ncs.ed.gov. Um, and it, statistics-wise, there's literally numbers of enrollment institutions of higher education by sex, attendance, status, and type and control of institutions. Uh, from 1869 to the 70s, um, the total enrollment was 63 people. Um, there was 49 males and 13 females. Uh, can we just s say something about that really quick? Because sure. that's huge. That says so much. Even in the 1970s, women were just coming into education because we are not seen as women th that they shouldn't be in education. They shouldn't be in jobs. They should be housewives. So I think it's interesting that even about like 50 years ago, we still have women just getting into the education system. Just so, and, and when you can see a slow switching jump forward to the, in, you know, 1945 through the 46, there's only 1,600 people enrolled in there, 928 men and 749 women. Um, the to the how many four-year colleges? Wow, 15. It's crazy. So, let's talk a little bit here about. Do you think there's still value? Is there value in going to college? So Is it worth it? 
What do you th- think? I think because you you haven't you haven't gone to college. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, well, for me, just a little bit of background. I stopped going to school my so sophomore year. I did my fir- finished my first full last year. When I was in school, I mean, I still had phones. I was running my businesses completely while I was in school. Um, going through the Yorkville education system. Um, I think there were great fundamentals I learned, and I think the community I was involved in was very active and um, interactive. So you could grow far more than just learning the fundamentals or actual Common Core education so you would say system. Potentially hands-on learning. Right, right. So there was more that it allowed me to develop as a person and, and gain more than just what I'm learning at a typical school. And I think a lot of school systems are not growing up like you are in Yorkville. Um, that was just different in the kind of community we live in. I stopped, I mean, my junior year, I started only doing two classes. We got, we worked it out with the school. I was only going, coming into school part-time for two classes, but my business is I couldn't even do that. <laughs> um, it was just, it was interrupting my day. I was going to school from like nine to 11 and that, that just didn't work for me. Um, I think school, my, in regards to school, my whole take on it is I think there's great fundamentals, okay. fundamentals that you should learn. Um, throughout that but I think in general a lot of people when they're going to college they don't even really know what they're wanting to do and I think if you don't know what you're wanting to do and you're still deciding to go to college you're just wasting your money yeah and do you think do you think the price of college right now is worth it do you think the price is equivalent to the value of Look, the investment? this is this is if you're going to college you're going into college because you're actively saying i'm not willing to go out in the world and learn this stuff on my own because or i or the field or position i want right sure i think it's also it comes down to your field or position okay um if you're going in for a medical career or anything like a lawyer doctor absolutely that's needed Sure, I'm not, I'm not going to oppose that. I'm also not saying there's not great things you could learn from going to college to go get your MBA or stuff like that. But my point is, is it, you can learn just as much of that outside of school. Yeah. For the person that's not going to go out and take their own initiative to learn that stuff, then you need to go to college. But I also think a lot of the times when you see these guys come out with their degrees of college, they think real business runs on how they learned the books in the school. And that's just yeah. not the case. Not at all. I, I, I see this way too much, and I'm hearing it way too much from my peers, is our experiences or the internships we're being offered are pretty much just non- non-existent. They're not, they're not vital to growing you or action steps to take to making you know practical experience. They, they don't have enough practical experience. They have a title or a role. Yeah, I don't think an inter- when I'm looking at internships, I see all these kids like partnering with these local business chambers or, or stuff like that that's so small and you're an assistant of something. You're not learning or developing roles. It's just titles, okay? So when you, for me, when I look, I, I've hired people in my businesses that have had doctorates, right, to, to help start my business. And you can see there's, there's totally different things. But when you're hiring someone as a company, like what I look for now is you're experiencing your real knowledge. I don't care about what's on your certificate. Yep. You know what I'm saying? So, so much nowadays, it's just like when you grew up, when people who used to grow up, you know, going f- even just finishing high school was awesome. Right. Now it's become a common thing where you have to even just get through college to be normal. And, and unless you're going on to go get your doctorate or pursue anything higher than that, companies don't value your certificate as anything nowadays no. it's just it's, it's all just an it inflation is, is, price crease really well really I all i think what a lot of com- companies do and have gotten into and i don't think it's effective anymore is they just use it as a placeholder for someone that i can take out of the first resume pile or not right they have 100 copies anyone with a degree moves on to the next round i'll take a look anyone without a degree simply i can remove them so now i'm down to 50 names 
I don't think that process is effective anymore. Mm-mm. I don't think no. the people I'm looking for, the people who are motivated, driven, who are learners, who interpret things, who to are experiencing, who are adapting, who are, uh, um, obs- you know, just being being conscious and aware and, and changing and growing all the time are not the same people that I'm meeting at the college institutions or the people that I know or my peers that are graduating, right? I think Not that, all the time. That's not saying all of them. There are a ton of amazing ones. I think but. the main thing is even just growing up in high school and everyone's on this path that college is the right way. I mean, counselors almost force you to think that that's the only, that's the only way to go. Yeah. There's so many opportunities to make... You know, so many people that we've even known just in our lives get these degrees, come out. Now they have $100,000 of debt, and they're going to work at PetSmart making $12 an hour. Right. I actually have a statistic around that. All right, so this is from Insider Higher Ed from one of their statistical analysis done. Um, It says here, uh, 17 million college graduates today, That's uh, this was as of 2019, today have a job that does not require the degree that they got, a.k.a. 30% of the working college graduates right now, 30% of anyone who's graduated from college that is working, works in a position that didn't require the degree. Yeah, I mean, I think when when you're entering college, I think it's such a thing. It, it, it depends what kind of household you're growing up in. I mean, we should be developing our kids. It's not like families are like they feel relieved once their kids in a college and they've they've got all these grant you know or or whatever these these accomplishments they've gotten to get into college but if you're not checking in with your kid constantly making sure they're taking all the academic success they can get from that if you're not going into the mindset with college i'm going to go into this college and network with as many people as i can learn as much as i can from the people surrounding me you're wasting your time strictly 100 percent. i mean I, i did that too when i went to my university i said the first thing i'm going to do I will meet the president of my university. He will know who I am. I'll make sure that I do things. I want to establish my name for myself, my own presence, because you need to. You need, you need, like, if you're not trying to take your own opportunities, what are you doing? That's interesting because when I went to Mizzou, I would say that a lot of the kids that went there, they were going there wanting the degree that they wanted, and that was what they were going to graduate with. And for some of them, I was a little worried just because. Not that they were untalented or anything like that. Not at all. Just saying that to have a career in the singing industry is so very difficult. And ways that you can really succeed is through teaching with music. And if you're not teaching in music, then it's very hard to go forward, and especially in the operatic areas well and that's something you need to figure out too before you go to college no where do you want to be financially set okay first of all because if you're going to if you're going to school and now you're thinking i want to go be in this degree where do you see yourself now are you planning forward you need to make sure you're financially set i agree if you have to be making look when i when people are going to college you need to say okay forty thousand dollars pays for one person to live very minimally in a one-bedroom apartment okay if you're planning as a kid to have kids right and if you're going to have a spouse right now you're looking at that. So let's say you have two kids. Each one of those kids, you got to plan for at least $20,000 a year, okay, between savings and putting in forward for that kid and really developing that of kid course, correctly. Of course. So if you know that job and that education system you're going into and you're only going to be ending up making in, in, in 10 years down the road when you want to start a family, you're going to be making $60,000 a year, but your wife doesn't plan to work, you're not in a position to do that. So I think people need to look f- far forward into the future and what they want to do because, again, everyone else is then just working to lose goals. Right. You're just getting on to the next step. Oh, I feel completed. 
people don't set out far enough. You need to have goals and attainable goals to really get there. And I think a lot of people just go into it completely loosely. Yeah. And also, a clear point here. Do you think if everyone who went to college in the major or thing that they thought they were going to do read the book and did the same thing like everyone else, they would also be successful? We would have way too many successful people in this world. Everything that's in that book is not just the end-all, be-all. It is, like Ethan says, the, the practical experience and getting out in the world and actually doing it. I, I would argue I have learned more and attained more and gained more experience in the last semester of being home and working with our businesses than I did over the last two years after I learned the fundamentals. We, I learned the fundamentals. I got great things out of that. The only thing left at my institution that was bringing me really fruitful concepts, ideas, and conversations was the special topics courses in my major, which were really fantastic. But again, that wasn't enough to keep me there at, at night. I mean, I was already seeing like COVID hit, and this is a great transition into this part, whereas COVID hit now, and I think we're seeing the immediate diminishing return of worth for the college degree and the price versus what you actually get in the end. Because if you think about it right now, now that you're not behind those fancy four walls and you're not face-to-face -face with all these high-up intellects, you're not really getting that same cognitive experience of building your network or building a humanistic connection or doing any of these things behind a screen. You can do them to an extent, but I would argue that there's, there's a missing component to that live nature that we all look for. And, and when we look at institutionals, or not institutionals, what am I saying? And when we look at institutions, right? They were founded on the ideas of being human-centric, right? Returning to humanism and engaging in elaborate conversation and discussion to think forward and move forward. And they were about, you know, being a place for learning, not a place for killing or not a place for losing, right? I think we've also lost track and the institution and the system has focused so heavily on test scores and on the conventional means of what these chores that society has has decided will make sure, sure that and is in the schooling system we education. reward for like thinking even just my little thing we, we reward for the dumbest things in school i mean if you're rewarding people not for their academic excellence or they're willing to pursue in their education higher but we're rewarding for sports accomplishments and stuff like that you're not you're not in, you're not showing these kids their true traits yes. i think when people say oh i'm good at this they think of oh i'm good at i'm good at playing football I'm good at, you know, singing. The dangerous Those aren't good part things. of you that is You need to get to your traits people... to understand what you're good at so you can realize how you're going to excel in school, okay? Are your traits good at networking? Are they good at connections? Are you better at... Um, Development, you... raising funds. Sure. Are you better at now... Like, now you got to understand then, too, how do you learn? Are you better, are you better at... Like, yes. if you look at Ben Carson, when I read his book, okay? He figured himself out by the time he went to college, okay? He knew that he was best studying strictly in a book. He was failing his grades his, for his first semesters that I think he went to, was it Harvard or uh, I can't remember. It was one of the top one Ivy the top League schools. Yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, he was failing his grades, but he realized that he learned best from a book. So he paid. There were people that sat in, this, in the, the, the lectures yeah. and took notes of the whole thing, of exact scribe writers, of exactly what the professor said. And he never showed up to a single lecture. He took those notes and read them and memorized them and learned from it. And he understood he it. And yes, he knew his style that was best for him and be adapted. If you're not constantly analyzing that while you're in college, 
I, I strictly feel you're there for the wrong reasons. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's a breeding ground for flexibility to explore and grow who you are. And if you're not using it for that and you're using it to just sort of party, hang out, you coast need to be asked, life. Yeah, I mean, you have to be – how to many people ask questions constantly in lectures? Like sure. when you look at an interactive – I think that I, if I were to go to college, I would love to go to an Ivy League school. I don't think that um, – I don't know if I'd be able to keep up with it as much. But I think an Ivy League school is very interactive. It's constantly keeping you up, right? There's people that are constantly asking questions, and you're interacting with the teacher to gain knowledge. People are so scared of asking questions. I think yeah. the people that don't yeah, ask questions – I think the people that don't ask questions – are the people that are fools. I mean, if you're asking questions, you're trying to better yourself. That's the point there. You're paying all that money to better your education. Ask those questions because you're never going to be able in this experience to gain from these professors that are in your life right now other than that moment. The people that are surrounding you, they're so, I mean, they're not important to your large scheme of your life. Everyone's so focused on in the moment and what others are thinking of them. I mean, Going into college, you need to be, there's so many other things that we need to set up in the education system before going to college. Believing in yourself, understanding who you are as a person, you know, building confidence inside yourself so you can go to Excel. And those are things we, we strictly miss out. And I think all, there's so much that adds up to why people may not take the full experience of college. Mm. Very, very well said. Lil, did you have a point you were trying to get in there? Oh, when you were talking earlier about um, the kids and the different awards <laughs> they can get, it really puts people into a box mindset of what they can or cannot accomplish. I don't know if you mentioned that, but yeah. that's something yeah. that's really dangerous about that sort of thing. But I think there should be more um, prizes for academic. I agree with you on that. I but think we should another thing when you mess up. I think you should too. I think you should reward when you ask questions and when you think outside of the box and you're not just asking what is right in front of you. You're asking more in depth than you're thinking about what you're asking. But with the um, sports, a lot of kids have to use sports to go to college actually. And that is their only way that they're able to pay for it. So in that sense, there is a dependency on the sports, they they need that. But I agree, it should be more on education try, and, and students should have education to have that full ride to college. If you're trying to go professional in sports, okay, you're competing against, I mean, hundreds of thousands of Not kids. Not saying don't do it though. No, Just know can, that it's difficult and have a backup option. Exactly. And everyone tries to focus on that one plan. And then when they see that they can't achieve that, they're down and they think their they're life's devastated. over. Right. And a great general calculates assesses and moves on or re or just you know they, they do the appropriate things necessary it's so much easier to fall down than it is to get back up sure and sure. a lot of people just let that falling down take them over so i found a really interesting report by uh the herringture report which is a nonprofit independent news um source um and their study they conducted this year in 2020 uh, alongside with nbc um, was really interesting, and, and it, it sort of highlighted and talked about the current financial state of colleges. Um, and some of the key findings were, one, there's a huge decline in enrollment. When we look at from 08 through 10, and even 17 to 18, and now, huge declines in enrollment. There is weak state and government support, meaning year over year, as our states and our federal agencies are deciding, shit, we need to cut our budget, where are we cutting it? They're seeing that, well, these institutions... They are raising prices. They're making more on tuition revenue. And do we think why don't do, we pull back? Do we think institutions are actually there for the kids and the students? They they used to be. I think that's gotten 
misguided. Again, I think it's gotten misguided through benchmarks and through um, administrations and setting personas and images and, and this really litigious and bullshit-esque um, melodramatic style of running, administering. It's, it's, colleges are not, not ran by entrepreneurs. They're run by usually university intellects. A lot of provosts. Do you th- do you th- come from the do you think world. because there's so many restrictions? I feel like there's th- those professors that have taken on those careers and roles have so much to teach. But is there things that they're held back by in certain from allowing them to complete? 100%. So let's talk about structure here, right? There's only three types of colleges in the United States: public institutions. So mm-hmm. they have they're they're responsible. The administration, right? A public institution similar to us. What would that be? A public institution. Public institution gets funding from the state and the government. Okay. And private investors, their board, their private investors in that team, as well as their students and their school. That's how they get funded. So they have to not only you know raise prices for the kids, but they have to to, to kiss up to the government as a stockholder. Are they for profit private. or is it considered? Nope, they are they are public. They are considered like a okay. nonprofit type of institution. So what school is similar to us? Would that be like closest near us? What would be a uh, University College. of Illinois, okay. um, Northern okay, Illinois you. University. Yeah. Then there's private institutions. That's what I went to. Those are institutions that are for profit and are usually set up by someone else or an independent thing, and and they can grow endowments and things like that. So Baldwin Wallace, a lot of D3 or smaller schools or specialty schools will set up from a private school. I'm pretty sure. The problem with private schools right now financially is rates are through the roof because why? They don't have funding from anything else, so they rely heavily on you. Do you think, though, the education through a private school is much more beneficial to an education standpoint? Do you feel that your professors that you've worked with in your classes... It's a, it depends. You need to find... It's. Do you right, think everyone has a perfect school? Do you think a, people pick schools that are not yes, meant for them? Yes, and I think people pick the schools that are, and I think I did. See, I right. would say... College is not important for everyone, and I don't think you should go if you're not ready or you don't find the institution you want. But I would say college was so vital in changing me and creating me and fostering the person that I am today, and it was super essential in me. But that's because I found the right path, the right school, and the right fit. But I went hard because our mom really set us up and made us search difficultly. Like, I, I applied to over 20 schools, you know. I auditioned at a shit ton of schools. Like, my process was quite elaborate before I established and decided which institution I was going to end up going to. And, and I thank her for that. I think I'll do a whole, I want to, I want to do a whole written out thing on how I think kids should apply and pick a school. But what, getting back to your point here, find not the name, not the title, not the suaviness, find what you want to do and then find the people, find the names and professors that are at that institution that teach that. Then find that school, surround and yourself and with surround yourself with, with the, the people you want to be. That's exactly what I and use. I mean, at how many people? That's what I use my school do, do, for I feel like there's so many these motivational speakers and these people. A lot of the people look up to these days. They say these statements, and people look at them, and it's a sense of feeling good. But they never understand truly what those statements are saying. Surround yourself with the ones you want to be. Yeah. Right? There's so many people that are. So, trying to fit into a certain caliber and not surrounding themselves with the people they need to better themselves as a yeah. person. Everyone's so focused on what others are thinking of them. Truly. You need to be yourself. Focus Until you can that. be yourself, yes. you're not going to be able to get to any of your goals you want to be. The beautiful thing about this long form is like it's so intimate in a way. I'm feeling so freed by getting to just talk like this and exploit myself in this way because I know at some point I'm going to sound stupid. And sure. at some point, I'm going to sound good. Yeah, and, and see, that's why come out right. I think uh, there's not really like I love it not being guided as much because, again, we we understand. We say it every time. We're learning. We're constantly learning and we're changing. This is how we're feeling right now at this 
this day and age and this point of our life. I don't think college will be bad forever, but I think it needs to go through a change. I want to go into that at the end, but the last type of institution, yeah. back to the financials, is nonprofit institutions entirely. So these institutions, um, they rely entirely usually on a – there's a system called the scholarship bubble, basically where they – one person's tuition is paying for a student who needs scholarship to go there. And so they get stuck in all of their revenue going back into scholarships. So the nonprofits are stuck there. Private schools are stuck in putting all the costs on the students because there's not really a helper, a good structure, or entrepreneur running a lot of these types of institutions. Aurora University is actually funds. a private institution, I that believe. That is another one, yeah. That's another one in our local community that's a private institution. One of the things I think that bothers me, and I would love to touch on that more, I think one of the things for me is like there's been people I've talked to out just within the communities, and I tell them, you know, I was a guy that was set on seeing my brother, seeing you go to college and everything like that. And my mom was very focused on education was the right way. I think our mom was probably one of the strongest people. She thought it was an insurance policy. You go to school, you're out of poverty. You do things different than us, right? Because uh, I'm going to be fully transparent on our podcast. Our parents didn't go to col college, no. right? So they just went into the workforce, and they tried to figure it out. They took the practitioner route similar to Ethan did, but they didn't establish clear and initiative goals because life and family got in the way. But that's a whole other thing. We can go into that at a later time. But it's that idea of they didn't know. So what they thought college is an insurance policy. And that's where I felt like as a, I was, I guess the thing I was most scared of was I was like, ah, I don't want to fail. My dad didn't go to college. You know, I don't want to be that person that's going to be the next letdown. And I think I just let that bother me and get too much inside my head. But as I grew and developed as a person, when I was in eighth grade, I was headset on going to college. I was going to go get a business degree, yada, yada. But as I was growing as an entrepreneur, the people I networked with made me smarter. I asked questions. Right. I was constantly outreaching to get, gain and better more knowledge every time. I mean, people when you learn to meet me, I'm a very talkative person. I'm sure. always talking to people and constantly doing that. But that's because I love to be learning. I love to keep asking questions. Again, people take life as it's it's you got to live like you're not going to be here tomorrow. Right. So if you miss those opportunities, I like to live with no regrets. Every choice I've made in my life, um, I've made bad decisions. I failed. But I don't have regrets because that was me. Those were my true intentions, and I learned from it. Um, and I think that's super important for me. But just growing up through that, like, I, I, again, it's not – I don't know. I don't know where I was going with that, but that was just important to me for me to say. I don't sure. Know. No, no problem. Um, back to this financial thing in the report. The report had 2,662 schools in it. And of the findings, over 500 of the schools showed at least two warning signs of the metrics, which the metrics were enrollment, tuition revenue, public slash endowment health, um, and, that, that, and that those were the metrics. Um, and of those, 50, 500 of the schools showed warning signs in at least two of those areas, two of those three areas mm -hmm. for, for financial disaster within the upcoming years. That doesn't mean they'll close, but that means, you know, being – red line to red line breaking even year over year and getting into a very scary place financially and you have to be developing as an institution you have to keep pumping yeah. money in to grow you got to stay up and current here's an interesting one too like when you look at your school chad i think like i when i drove i've been to chad's school a few times now we had some great work sessions over there and it was collaborative but his school they're spending money on all brand new buildings and stuff because you got to yeah, we're going through uh, i 
I believe I, I don't want to misspeak here, but I think it's a hundred million dollar uh, capital campaign for for first private school, and it's not a big school. I mean, it's no, it's the size of my high school, but it's it's they have every resource there available for those students, and I think that's super important. You got to stay current. So even when these these institutions are financially maybe declining, they have to find ways to keep staying current with today's changing you know, society, yeah. and that's that's too where there's been money mismanagement. This is the two big issues, right? College enrollment's down. Why is it down? Because two things. The demo is changing heavily here. Nathan Grawls, he wrote a book called Demo and the Demand f uh, for Education, for Higher Education. Um, and in his book, he, he, and I quote, says, between um, the next coming years of 2025 and 2030, native-born children will decline by 650,000 from a basis of 4.5 million meaning there's going to be a 4% fall in the amount of kids that are even going or could be enrolled into colleges. Not to mention most of those native-born people, the demographics on them are completely different. And all of our institutions right now, I don't think are set up in a way that are showing equitable, profitable, and valuable ways to teach minorities and 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 certain people. Like I, I was so dyslexic my whole entire high school career. My, my younger educational career, I was – I was an IE, I was an IEP student. I never got it. I never followed. I could never understand and keep up because I didn't know my learning style. But and I, I was and the no same. one would have taught me that because I didn't come from a family where we had the stability to focus on my education. And I also was I think my biggest failure of going through the school system, just growing up all the way up until my junior year, was I was so scared of what others thought and the things that bothered me from learning, I was too scared to tell others. You know, I was so, you know, I feel like the school system is so rushed. I don't think that the, um, the amount of hours, the, one teacher cannot develop a kid fully in, in, an, in an hour and a half lecture. So you it's interesting that you're saying that because Chad and I were actually talking a while ago on like how we could change the education system. And I think this does tie into the college and how we could see um, college education changing in the future is yeah. to not have the standardized testing like we have so much is that it's well, actually I was never a good test taker we were yeah. going no, up through school I was a thing it was all based on your test scores and your grades and this was the other thing when someone ever came up comes up to me in public and says when I told them I'm not going to college yep. and they're like oh are you crazy and I'm thinking you know this is someone that's making $65,000 a year right. and I'm 15 years old and already making above that you right. know what I'm saying? My, so, my business is doing more. I have more collateral, more liability over my and head. And I'm like, how can you say that? Again, it's people are guided and the people are so worried about what others are thinking that no one speaks up. You're just in this realm of living every day. I mean, you can even just look at the kids, bro. When I'm looking at all these kids on my uh, that I used to go to high school with, they're crying because they're not getting attention on social media posts. Like people need that guidance from other people and are constantly seeking what other people are telling them how to live their life. And you just keep touching on that. I mean, the, the education system for me, that's something that I think education is there. I think it's important. And I think education with my businesses and my financials later in life, that's something I'm going to highly invest in. I think it, it needs a complete restructure. I mean, our, yeah. the society and everything we need we're living we need in needs a restructure. Strip the way we're looking at it and go back to what is what are what are kids supposed to get out of education what, when, how when you're going through that? high school, I think you need to be developing kids to figure out where their passions lie. Where do they really want to see? Give them more hands-on experience. I think Yorkville, York, it should be even earlier. I agree completely. I think Yorkville is trying to be adaptive within that. When I was working with the current models with Dr. Shimp and stuff like that and, and growing of where they see the future of it. But we're looking at 10 and 15-year plans. 
People right, are waiting two, too long. This need needs to happen two. now. Yeah. There's no reason why the education can't change immediately. It's just people tied up in money it's and, it's and logistics, it's, money, and uh, powers at play, powers at hand. I mean, things should be. People I, I just don't like be, change. Change is scary. Change doesn't guarantee that everything's going to work correctly. And I think people are like. I think if, if if the media were to get a hold of right institutions that are making sweeping new changes, no test, maybe all the classrooms don't have desks, it's a collaborative environment, so, going back towards like how it was during Greek and Roman times of Socratic discussion, a school to do that, they would get media hit and it'd be like, oh, they're they're breaking norms and doing all this sure, thing. And I think and it would there's so opposition. many things to focus on. With it. And when I was growing through, like Yorkville District 115, okay, they're spending, they have contracts with people to focus on how emotions make you feel in school environments, okay? Good. There's so much more to just a learning environment than just the education and what the, the core values are, how it's set up. If there's anyone that knows any educational specialists out there, if you could if you could send us their names or send us some links, we'd love to have someone on the show to talk more in depth about well, this. Well, I know that, I mean, the superintendent we did the lights for in Oswego, okay? That that yeah, guy, yeah, yeah. I mean. That'd be a great example. I told we'll him my life him story and he completely understands that we, we definitely will. He, he, he needs to. There's so many good impacts. Got a great people story. understand. People understand and see that the education system has failed, but there's too many bad people in positions that are worried about themselves and their hierarchy that no one fixes it. I mean, people acknowledge this, but we continue every day. This needs to be larger raised issues. I mean, we need to start fixing on that stuff. I don't know, but... I, I think too another thing that we're seeing is colleges have if you if you look at financials and you go back there's data to show that colleges are starting to seek profit really they're trying they're they're trying to grow in a way because as those state funding started to go down what did what happened they started to cut costs but but also they started to raise the price of tuition so what are they doing they're keeping more yeah revenue. that's they're, kind they're of they're ridiculous. gaining profit at that point so it's it's really interesting to see where that's at and and. How could it change? How could we make these changes going forward? I've some people have proposed, and some 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 options that I've heard talked about are one, income sharing kind of. So where um, you have an investment or someone who is assigned to you, like a big brother big sister program, and you say, all right, I would say Lillian, I'm going to pay a hundred thousand dollars for you to attend a four year institution. Upon completion um, of you getting a job. I will have I will have a share of your salary of a certain percentage for a certain amount of years, and we'll call that back the rebuttal payment. Um, there's formats of this I think where people would pay less than what the actual person invested back. There's formats of it where they pay a lower interest and pay it all back. Um, I, that's an interesting option that I've heard people proposing. I've also heard the talk of free college and free institutions. I've heard some people say it's bad. I've heard others say it's really good. Um, and then another one is better or restructuring our tax strategies in the United States for colleges. I think there's too many. I think you've said six things there that all need restructuring. <laughs> I don't think there's one right right answer there. And I also think I also think people a lot of people are like, oh yeah, let's make the government do that or do this for free. Stuff doesn't come for free. I don't know how yeah, many no, times I'm going to say that. That's the one that scares me. Is if we say college is free, where's the bill going? People constantly think like everyone thinks that everything should be given to them. Like, I started out with nothing. My family has had no money. I mean, I started my business from just one lawnmower we had in our in our garage, and I built it up from there to buying trucks and additional assets and stuff like that. I mean, no one no one is responsible for your actions. You are your own person. You are your own life. You need to go out there and and guide yourself. Your life is completely in your own hands. Stop 
make like so many people are like you know like even people with like oh where's my government money like don't rely on that stuff you need to go out there and work for yourself in this world nothing should be handed to you and everyone thinks there's so many people growing up through kids even their parents just handing them stuff constantly or oh yeah you can do this do that you know parents need to be structuring their kids like hey this is your kids need to start working on budgets everything gets handed to them and then kids when they're like oh, you know you grow up through that college system now you're like oh not everything is handed to me then they freak out and they don't know how to develop or handle life yeah let's talk real quickly about the future for a second i'm very excited because of the time we're in there is instrumental change i think that could happen or that is going to happen in education and here's a couple things that are really really exciting i think based on that history right when sputnik was happening and all of that with russia uh Innovation was based on world dominance. I think we're going to see a lot of that come in hand here with the war, the, not the war, but the intellectual battle for dominance between China and the United States and other major countries. See, the key to growth at this current state, and exponential growth for that matter, is science, technology, mathematics, and things of that nature. And the demographics in the United States is going down. Our generation and generations after us are waiting to have kids. So therefore, we're seeing a complete shift in the talent pool in Generation Alpha. What's Generation Alpha, you ask? That's all the kids that are born after 2010. They are now 10 years old. They are the first generation entirely born in the 21st century. Generation Z had some kids that were in the 90s. They are the first entirely technology from the binky pacifier to growth tech generation. And we're living in a live incubator and experiment of adapting and changing a system that benefits and helps all of them and creates a world that is more connected and more back to that central topic of humanistic, um, humanistic interpretation and humanistic connection, really. And with the talent pool shifting, that means the U.S. is going to have to be you know, competitive with other countries, right? We're going to need to pull more people. We're going to need more migration if we're not producing more people here to keep up if we want our nation and our, and our innovation to keep growing along with the other, the other countries. Job demand and the average lifespan are as well going to go up. And colleges are going to be vulnerable entirely by the age, the future, and that I guarantee there's going to be a shift in people being going to a school and then being like, all right, I have all these traits. Let me find something to being like, no, if you go to an institution, you go to a trade and you learn a specific skill. And instead of working on a, a whole company and just doing that one skill, you work on new projects all the time with different teams of different and people with and, certain and, skills. And that's not going to happen until we start with the lower education levels of figuring out where you want to develop as a person. You need to figure that out. And I, people are like, oh, well, kids are too young. They can't figure that out. I mean, that's I, I don't agree with that either. I think you're not developing your kids right al along the way if you can't if a kid can't figure that out. If people aren't worrying about college enough, I think they're really missing the key here because the next geopolitical sphere that's going to be pushing us into the late 20s is going to be around education and around uh, national growth, intellectual and dominance in tech and innovation. And so for, if that's exactly. not something that we're thinking about and focusing about and we're worrying about, all right, let's raise prices and let's make sure we're competitive and our business is focused on now and not the future, how are we, how are we going to be ready? Again, I always say it again. A lot of businesses, structures, institutions, they act reactively, not proactively, and that's super important to realize. You have to always be acting proactively. Um, and any of our young listeners that are listening, again, the way you've been guided is not your fault. A lot of the times 
kids feel this pressure and their weight when it really comes down to the parents, okay? Your parents are the people who develop you as a kid. Me and my brother, uh, we, we grew up in a household where we had to learn and adapt very fast. You know what I'm saying? Our parents made us very involved, and I think it was one of the greatest things they ever did. We learned that there was real stress in the world at a young age. We learned how to deal with problems. I mean, we, we went with days where our water was shut off and we didn't have stuff and, and we had to figure out, you know, how, what are we going to do, you know? But we never felt guilty or sad for ourselves, you know? We never did. We look at everything as, okay, this is a problem. Now we got to find a way to fix it. And, yeah. and so many kids at a young age were never dealt with that. So I think a lot of it comes down to with how you were raised um, and it comes down to the parents. Uh, but you have to be able to realize that and then fix, okay, and the parents, and, and it's a two-way street. The parents have to help the kids, and the kids have to realize this, that this is both a problem and then work together. Um, I think so many parents are out there, and they're not fit to be parents. Yeah. They, you should never have had kids. 100%. Because in, in, they, they weren't ready. No. And when, you, you know, or, or parents will then all of a sudden start to try to act like they're going to be parents. You know what I'm saying? After uh, neglecting kids or, or not paying attention to them for so many years, and then they th- feel like everything can be estranged and fixed right away. And it can't be. You have to go back within, again, all this stems down to, because I think the main thing is realizing that all these topics we're bringing up about college and changing. Until we can fix ourselves as humans, realize our problems, none of that other stuff really matters. Sure. It comes down to being a human. I mean, it does. And, and it comes down to getting people who have that humanistic aspect in these administrative and high roles. Yes. And, be, and building yes. new structures. And really. I think we need to get all the people that are in the systems now, they're outdated. I mean, you, 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 literally, this medical company I'm working with, uh, it's called Logisticare, formerly known as Logisticare. Now it's like Motive Care or something like that. We have these high CEOs coming out with, this, with the new rebranding videos of how they're going to be a powerful and impactful company and acting like they care about their patients. And but when you look at their bottom level, it's not just in a video. N- right, it's just in a video. We need to, I mean, that's politics. We can't have these, there needs to be age limits and restrictions on this stuff. There needs to be office changing. We need to have people that are constantly changing out. When you're, it's just like you can't teach an old dog, an old dog new tricks. We have all these old peoples in these high positions and they're not adapting. And those are the people that are really holding us back and, from growing. And, and that's and where any, we need to acknowledge someone first. who would want to adapt or change comes in, they go, no, 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 no. You no, haven't that's not been here long enough. You don't understand. It's going to be this way. Okay, because when you got here, someone did that to you and they suppressed you to make you feel that way. And now you've been through the system, so you get it. And so many people take criticism. So many people feel criticized when someone brings up a point. So many people, people are not friends because of different political views. Okay, if you can't be friends with someone because they have a different political view from you, and you get mad because of that, that's just absurd. I mean, you need to literally know how to have discussions where you disagree with people, and that's one of those things where literally in this society, if you don't agree with someone, colonial pub. Where all of the founding fathers were fostering and creating all of these liberally brilliant ideas that are going to change the world and foster innovation at that time. they I guarantee they were all just fucking buddying out, being open, expressing themselves. And, and, you know, like, and that's where you got to be able to understand where other people are coming from. Yes. You got to know, yes. like, that's one of the biggest things. They didn't I love each other. They might have gotten into a bar fight because they were drunk and a little angry. But at the end of the day, they walked out of there and they all could take it and be professional and have a good time. And then at the end of the day, again, 
they could remove themselves and go to the pub and still enjoy it with each other. And and don't get me wrong, there's times when you can't always be that way. I think one of the biggest things I deal with personally is taking, which I've worked on heavily, okay? Back when I first started my businesses and I would have employees when I really didn't know what I, I mean, I was just starting out with employees, but I learned, I would be directive and think my way was the only way. And it doesn't work that way. You have to be adaptive. You have to listen to other people's feelings and emotions. And, and you have to be willing to change for that. Your way is not just the one right way. Right? So like even with, and that's something I continually try to remind myself every day is that I have to be willing to hear other people's opinions and how they feel because everyone went through different experiences and there's a reason why they believe in what they believe right now. And if you don't hold that other person's opinion high enough and you think your opinion is better or you're better i mean there's a reason why we and that's why everything is the way it is i mean that's just not that's just not allowed and i think that goes along with everything with those people in those higher college positions right where they think their way is just the one right way and they're not understanding that and i think that's the biggest thing with learning and going through education is we think there's one way like i think now we're trying to be more of an adaptive society of how people learn but there's not just one right one way that's right i mean I, as a kid, had awful grades. If you look at Ben Carson, too, alone, his grades were awful, awful as a kid. He used to be made fun of as the dummiest, and now he's the, the most rena- world-renowned world surgeon. I mean, the amount of surgeries he's done, he was going to give up at a point in life. Okay, and I highly recommend reading that book. It's, um, uh, what is it called? It's uh, Think Big by Ben Carson. Um, and that is probably the most life-changing book I've ever read that Lillian actually gave to me, so I appreciate yep. that. My mom gave that to me. You know, it's interesting to see how college has changed because by the time I'm done with college, I would have gone through about four colleges. And so I started at the University of Missouri. Yeah, share your story. I would love, I think that's super. She's got a very common story, I think. I I think, I think you'll find. Like, I want to know your experience with a lot of students. With Mizzou. And like, how did, like, when you went to Mizzou, okay, first of all, when you first started going there, was it a thing of, that was an exciting school you wanted to go to. Then I want to understand maybe while you were going through Mizzou, what were the things that led you to knowing you needed a change? And where do you think if you, is there a path you may have gone down that could have led to your life going into a complete opposite way than where you're at now? So my whole life I felt suppressed and the one area I stopped feeling suppressed in was music at the end of my high school career. And I was thinking, I don't know what I want to do. I want to help people. I want to help kids develop. I want to be there if something bad happens. Because I had a lot of traumatic stuff happen in my childhood that teachers, you may not be able to notice. But if you are able to be open with the child, you can have that opportunity to help them. And I think that is something that's really magical about teaching. And so that was something that really pulled me into teaching. And I was thinking choir because my um, choir teacher, Mr. Smith, was so amazing with all the students and really helping on just outside of school and whatnot. And so that's really what I thought I wanted to do on top of just loving singing. And so I was like, okay, well, University of Missouri, perfect. Um, It's got a great program for music and my cousins are there. That's awesome because I wanted to get as far away as I possibly could without being too far and just having some people that I knew. And starting off there, I only did... (laughs) 
the music career because I kind of thought I couldn't do anything better for myself and I didn't really know what to do and I was like that's what I can do so that's what I started doing and then I realized that's not what I wanted to do and jokingly was like what if I open a cannabis bakery but not until it's federally legalized and I'm like after I retire from school and then I started thinking well wait why can't I just do that now like it's an actual thing people do it all the time so then I actually got rid of Missouri and I came back to Illinois and went to Wabansee and it's so different especially with COVID now I got there so fall 2019 is when I started Missouri and then the spring 2020 is when I went back to Wabansee and it started off as in person and I just wanted to say like in terms of the teachers being there and the experience the teachers at Missouri definitely tried to help they tried different ways to help in particularly the music area. I think they have really great teachers over there. And I would recommend it if you really think you like music and that sort of thing. But otherwise it was, um, I'm thinking Wabansi. It was nice. Like the teachers helped and whatnot. But the difference there is that I feel like I was just trying to learn the material and I don't really get anything past that. Like Chad at his school, he always talked about how his professors, he would go into really depth in conversations that went way above the conversation at hand and just really dived 100%. into the topic to really get to know every single aspect of it. The second the second I would uh, establish and build a rapport with them from up front that I'm here to get more and engage more that's past what, what the initial lecture is, a lot of them were immediately receptive. Like, all right, whatever you got, whatever you need, Let's talk. I could tell. I could tell that you're going to understand and comprehend the base material. Let's move on. I think one of the things I would like to just touch on just based off what you were saying, and that is one of the things I noticed for college, and I may be incorrect when I say this, so correct me if I'm wrong, but when Chad went to college, my brother, his passion before he went in high school was all of his musical career, and again, I might not be saying the right terminology or whatever, but he was very invested in that, and that was my brother and what I thought, and I think it eventually like same thing for me for swimming when I swam swimming was my everything but eventually at a point I got to a point where it started to not be fun because it felt forced and I think when people say your passions I also don't think you should go to your schools for your passions I think when people a lot of people say go to school for your passions or, or follow your passions and I think it's important to follow your passions but, but I think you need to understand something that you're good at well that too but you need to understand how am I going to get to my passions yeah right you may like you may not be doing I, the things I'm, you I'm like still, right now to exactly. get to your passion in the end life like I'm setting myself up I, I really think my brother right now is being very smart in this aspect because he's setting himself up financially supportively what, what, what to follow his passions later in life in the podcast is the planning and the immense amount of time that we spend researching analyzing and developing our own ideas goals visions and plans I have the next 10 to 15 years mapped out. I have the what next going to look like and how it's going to get me to my eventual goal. Right? I have the next 15 years planned out and mapped out completely. I and don't. I think, and, 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 but I think you're developing We're there. Getting there. No, <laughs> I think you're very strong. I know. I think Lily, I, I think that's mistaken. Like, yes. That's no, it like, takes time to change and to really document everything that you yes. want and to really assess what, 
where you're going and if you don't know where you're going then it's hard to figure that out like this past semester this past year has just been huge for me and I've just figured out everything that I want to be doing and same with you guys I feel like you've made a lot of big milestones this past year with just figuring out exactly what you want to do and exactly and how never you're going to do it don't say you never have the time for it okay when yeah. people tell me they don't have the time for something when I've in invited people to meetings to better themselves and they tell me they don't have the time for it I manage three businesses with full operations, okay? Right. Right. And there's people that do way more than that. I'm working 18-hour days, and I still find time to read and it's develop. It's not that day. you don't have time. It's just that there's distractions. Right. Mm. How, many, how many hours a day do you spend on social media, scrolling right. through Facebook, going Your on Snapchat? So you know, imagine if you spent those hours and developed that time into yourself. That's why I try to delete social media and then I need it for my businesses and I'm like, oh shoot. <laughs> yeah, well, I just keep it. I delete all of my social media off my phone. The only thing I keep on is Snapchat, but I, I really don't even Snapchat anyone. I use it for promotions of my business or to show people and inspire people more than anything. And as far as Facebook, I keep it on my laptop only because it's, it's only for business uses. I don't put it on my phone so I'm not scrolling through there and wasting time every day. No. I think you have to learn. People like, like to constantly make excuses. I think people just need fucking discipline. You, to be yes, quite I, honest, everyone makes everyone makes too many excuses, and you need to have discipline with your mind setting your. You mind. know what's funny though is I'm just starting to get more discipline in my life, and it's such a battle in my head of like, okay, I want to do this, and it's like, okay, well, I'll actually, get up and do it, but then I'm like, but I don't want to. But then, <laughs> and I think but you learn not this only once that you have too, little it's, steps of success. Yeah. as you start to go throughout your life, Take and the you see these wins. little things of these little wins, now you start to realize, oh wow, like when I, you know, like you realize, like when I started reading or doing these few different things that I'm like wow that really made myself smarter and made me more intelligent and it's moved me along you see that investing in that time eventually is is worth it you're developing your time into yourself and if it's going to take you to your 35 years old to realize that it's still not too late my next you step can change is your just... life so many people give up too fast if yeah. you're 50 years old now with the medicine you can live I mean we'll be living to past 100 eventually uh, don't give up on your life too soon you're living here my every analysis moment. is generation alpha that we were just talking about they're gonna be they'll that i i think they'll live till at least 130 easy yeah. i would hope to at least by the time i mean and when we say this guys i mean that's the other thing you don't realize we like if you look now we are literally taking heads off people and putting them on a whole nother body do you realize how far along <laughs> technology is no, like literally, there's study, like there's been studies in multiple, like inhuman, sure. like like live humans. Yes, yes. Dang. Like, I've I've seen similar studies with like there's this company out in I think it's Nevada that's doing a cryo freezing of of post mortem bodies with the anticipation that modern medicine will allow them to come back, um, and and they were doing something there where they would just save. You can either you could pay, and after you die, they'll cremate your body and save your head. That's a package, or you could save the whole thing. You can save the body and the head and they'll put you in a cryo chamber and freeze you. And the anticipation is the company you invest, you give your money and your family pays for your spot. You can go to their facility. You can see a beautiful plaque. You can see the cryo chamber. It's not glass. You can't see through it. It's a, it's stainless steel, but it's nice. And it's almost like a plaque or a memorial. And it's also like you're investing in science in the future. Potentially it could, but I've never heard of it done. So yeah, no, Jake, Jake Dufresne, which is one of our great friends. He'll, 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 his, 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 he should be on the show soon. 
yes. We're, we're getting him on. He should be here uh, potentially for Friday's Friday's guest interview, which will be exciting. Which will be awesome. We're going to be talking with uh, Mario Mario Palaggi. Uh, he is a very great chef. Um, his family is very well uh, well established in the, in the uh, Chicago land. His Italian grandmother cult, was uh, making cuisine. bourbon or rum. It was a type of alcohol in yeah, the we, bathtub with Al Capone. Let's not give everything away, but uh, <laughs> this uh, that's definitely a little plug but, there. A great little thing. Come on back this Friday. Yeah, uh, come back and episode. watch Mario Palagio. He's a wonderful chef, a wonderful cook. He's really helping me develop my skills. And just shout out to him. He's going to be awesome. I would like to just touch on maybe one more topic with Chad. No, that, maybe yeah, understanding. Let's keep going. Understand. Yeah, I would like to just. Place, well, I wanted to actually talk about what colleges now at the corona level so mm. i'm at csc it's all online I think, all right can i and say one thing really yes. quickly before you continue your school is doing a much better job of handling online than i would say most major institutions who are hiring third-party companies to come in and establish online formats and systems for them i need you to clarify for csc or wabansi csc csc so and it's a younger school yeah and well, i think that's why actually so they, they've adapted. They give you 48 hours after the class to watch it and then um, they just, put I think your they can attendance cope. in. And in all formats, from Zoom University to how the course is being handled to the course load to how tests handled and everything, the way that CSE is handling it is, I think, more adaptive and more successful for, for people's retention and ability to find themselves and find their career. Because they know that people are busy and that they have a lot of other things going on, so they make sure that you have time to be able to look at the material. And then also they give you more materials than you'll ever need to learn everything. And they give you the ways to learn more. They don't just teach you what you need to know but they teach you so how many to people won't research. use the things that are around them with the answers i have a driver right literally last night last night we had a driver okay he's taking a test <laughs> meanwhile he's calling he's doing this test way late at night but he's doing this test and he literally has a manual with all the answers that he keeps calling on questions about he can't figure out and it's right there in front of you like if you if people just looked around them just a little bit more and, and and tried to use the resources that are presented to them, you could be so much more successful. And I think for me, for school wise, I just for me, I was on such a different path growing up through school. And those I was I don't know, I didn't I couldn't take my teachers seriously, if that's bad. But I still had respect for them as a teacher. But for the things they were trying to points across and it was like, I mean, like. I, I don't know. For me, it just wasn't I wasn't able to really adapt and learn because the things they were teaching me were great. But I knew where my path was and where my direction was headed. And I knew what what really like my favorite class was math and doing algebra and financing and stuff like that, because I'm constantly working with numbers every day. You're a killer with numbers. That's why we're I think we're a great team. But there's a lot of reasons. That's one, though. Yeah, you're fire with numbers. And I think I figured that out. I think people were like so. I think I took school for everything I need to. I was not going. I'm, my classes. I mean, I don't even think I did one piece. I mean, I did very minimal homework. I didn't. I don't think I've ever How read a book. How did you pass? Would you? Can you tell people the key to if you if you're listen, kids, if you're out there and you're not good at school, here's the key to passing. Go. Right. I I don't think I've ever had. I don't never had. I have had an F at a point, but one of the things. You but I've never failed. You I got networked. it back up. Yeah. You, so you gotta I tell them. Tell so, them the secrets. Tell me that you know you. You well, okay, so starting through starting through even just kindergarten, okay? It was building relationships. I knew every classmate in my <laughs> kindergarten. I knew all the teachers. I knew the principals of the school. I networked with that. I was constantly meeting. I was constantly asking questions and talking. Going through YS, I would get involved in, in student leadership and stuff like this, connecting with all the right? different... His, 
you hear you hear how he's engaging and showing he's he's an academic learner but he's a practitioner right he's in a school setting but school isn't relying here he's finding other resources i mean i could my 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 teachers wouldn't I would be able to still talk to my teacher and they all love me. I mean, whenever I had a problem, I wasn't a type of kid that would sit down. I needed to go call my mommy and for her to complain. If I had an issue with a teacher, I went straight directly to the admin. I mean, um, Mrs. Bargeman, she was an awesome teacher. That was in um, seventh grade. And I think we had issues my English teacher, which I did not like English as much as you could see. Obviously, I think that is the one thing I would love to have paid attention a little bit more in so I can learn, develop, and speak more proper. Um, but... I had a problem with the teacher. I went to the principal. I sat down with Mrs. Adler and be mine. In, in our middle school, it's set up where it was only seventh and eighth grade. Okay, yeah. but within that, we have tons of counselors, guidance counselors. Then we have multiple president or multiple principals and vice principals. Okay, I went to the highest person and complained about my problem, right? And I told her how I felt. Uh, I don't. I think that was the fastest response I ever got from a teacher, and there was never an issue again. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, it, it was crazy. Um, and I think I was constantly developing, constantly networking and everyone knew me. I had a passion and I found what was good for me in my schools. I mean, I was also, I let a lot of things affect me in school too. All these little things that people would say, I let these control my, control Your my mind and, and thoughts and emotions. And, but you were young and you have to, you have to experience that. I'm still not before you can move on from right. it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, just going through there. I mean, I was swimming in, in middle school. I was coming in halfway through the day because I was swimming in the morning, swimming in the afternoon and that. I figured out what I needed to be a good student and what I needed to do to make myself better. And I made sure that happened. Those people are there for resources, but people don't reach out. And you can't take, I mean, so many people, when you hear no, they're done and that's it. If you allow someone to tell you no, and you're going to be okay with that, but you know that that's going to better yourself, you're not being a good advocate for yourself. I don't let, like the same thing. I don't let anyone tell me something that I know is going to be bettering myself. So if I had any issues, and again, I would go to the people that had made the decisions, okay? I purposely did, and I, and I would stick up for my opinion because, again, wh- what if I die tomorrow? What is it going to matter that I went there and spoke my opinion to that person, right? right? What is it going to do? Um, but, no, I, th- I think that's great, and, and really what we're getting at here is you can take these same principles and the application that he did it at, at an elementary level and perform them at a collegiate level as well, you know? You can you – can, Please, if, if you go to college, take advantage of all the opportunities that are presented to you. Use it as an incubator for coming up with what your passions are and then lining them up in the list of priorities of which one could be a career passion and which one should stay a hobby passion. And come to terms, come to love yourself, come to love your path, and really y- 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 it, will, it will set you up for a much better If you better don't future. know what you want to do for college and you're scared to go in and waste a bunch of money, just take a year off, only a year off and make sure that you're looking into a bunch of different things and make sure that you are really looking at what you want to be doing and then also be saving money because it's going to be really expensive. You don't even need to do that too. There's leadership. I mean, there's leadership programs. I mean, find an adult that you like and admire that does what you want. I want to do anything for free. I'll follow you around for, for three months for free. And I want to learn everything you want. Then move on to the next one. Or there's, so many leadership that, camps like even job, you know? within your face you can find stuff you can there's everything you need you can seek out and i, I mean whether it, the, that's through the, the internet through people through whatever yeah do not rush to go to college don't be influenced you are your own person that is your life it's, it's not obscure to take a gap year some of my best friends that i met my freshman year of college were kids who were 23 and 24 took a break and then came back for their undergraduate studies 
this when they were thing. ready. You can realize is the things you're not good at, like for me and my businesses, and you're going to go the entrepreneurial right. If there's things I'm not good at, I can hire people to do the things I'm not good at. And when I can recognize that, that's great. Uh, for me, there are certain things I want to learn deeper into finance. But that or, doesn't mean you don't learn them enough no. to so, be able to. So look, like even with learning programmings and doing my Excel sheets to make regular cash flow statements and stuff like that. I had no idea. I actually took Excel classes that Miss Ancient, uh, uh, you know, she kind of did a little minuscule uh, Excel classes. But instead, I knew that was something that was going to benefit me. So I didn't go to college, but instead I went and paid for a whole Excel course that was completely online that I could do at my own time pace because I knew I wouldn't be able to go to a, a community college and learn classes. I'd, I'd pick something that I know I could work in my schedule when I want to do it, and it can benefit me and make me grow in that role. There's so many ways to gain this knowledge without having to pay the high price. I mean, you can, if you're willing to seek that out, I think one of the big things is if you have a planner, our, our mom was very good with planning for what we need as a kid. Um, and like, what do you need to better yourself with my brother st particularly? And again, our parents are willing to, we could raise the subject. It wasn't like our, it was our parents way or the it highway. Was an open household. We, it was open. If we didn't agree with something, we could state that. And there could be discussion. Of, <laughs> it, uh, it, was, it was pretty non-traditional. I would say. Yeah, it was. And I'm not saying, I, I would say it's probably the best. I think if anyone could grow up in a household like ours, comparative to lucky. one where you're structured or you're given everything, I think we were super lucky. I think how we were raised is the reason why we're so successful. Sure. And the reason that we keep pushing, yeah. even when we, we aren't successful. And we know with all the failures we've had as our family and we've known we've gotten past those. Um, I think we, we now know, yeah, it makes you stronger. And that's where they it's say the same things that everyone else has been saying that's older than us for years. But yeah. It's, that's because it's just the truth. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And that's absolutely it's, true. Yeah. Um, I think for me, my closest person to me was my grandma and she passed away in about 2018 lung cancer. And that's what kind of got me starting my medical business. Um, can I share a famous entrepreneur's quote yeah. that I have? I don't remember which entrepreneur said this. But I thought it was funny while I was doing research for our topic. Um, a students work for the B students. C students run the businesses. And D students are the ones who are dedicating the buildings. Meaning what it really takes to succeed in this world isn't necessarily that you could pass the material or remember everything. It was what did you do? What steps did you take? Who did you know? And how did you push yourself? Because... The D student's the one who is a contractor, who knows the deals, who's been out in the work, who maybe started with their own little house as a real estate development project and then slowly got into commercial and is now building a huge project and dedicating the building in their family's name, while the A student is the one that has to work for them. The other thing is, too, the greatest thing about being an entrepreneur is you can grow and you don't have to use any of your own money. Okay, <laughs> That's true. Well, we should do well, – if people want to hear and learn – how you can do that and get and, and pull off initiatives and plan out for these things. It's different for everyone, but we would love to talk and open up that conversation because it's, it's, uh, it's not impossible and it's not over your head. You can think smarter, not harder about how you finance, how you leverage. And a lot and of people try to start too small. Uh, you can't, like if my medical business, if I started just with one vehicle, that's too small. You got to understand that there's a, there's a certain level of where you have to grow, and it's never too bad just to start too small. So think big, dream big, and go for it. Whatever so, your faith is or your dreams are, just go for it and, and have no regrets. And I think college, there's lots we could touch on, but I think overall, I think if, if you don't know what you want to do or why you're going to college, just wait. You know, 
reach out for resources. I mean, there's people that can constantly help you. And, it, you know, just, just be an advocate for yourself. And what are your scared, insights on college? We'd love to hear about it. Yeah, so to, to close us out here, um, I want to say that I think college is at a critical point where it needs to take a look at its systematic place, redevelop it, redefine it, and restructure it. And I think there are some simple ways. There's three things that schools and, and administrators and government agencies can think about to change this. That's first, returning to a humanistic and civic engagement perspective, much like that of the Greek and the Roman times. Two, redefining what it is to be a scholar or a teacher, a university in general, and an admin at these institutions. Once we restructure that, and we demonstrate that it's not about these rigid systems. And, we and call on your admins. Call on those Then we'll people. be good. And then the last thing is connecting and engaging. If, if schools can get back to the crux of those things, I think we'll be in a much better place moving forward in the future for Generation Alpha and all the ones to come after them. Um, again, we thank you for joining us on this episode. Um, we hope that you'll share with us in the comments and on our pages what you think. What are your thoughts on colleges, um, the current state? Is it valuable? Is it not valuable? Should you go? Should you take a gap year? Let us know, and uh, we look forward to hearing from you. Um, make sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at A Humanistic Perspective Podcast. Um, and uh, we look forward to showing and sharing more shows with you. And uh, make sure to check back in this Friday when we uh, interview with Mari, Mario Pelagi. All right, and that's a wrap. All right, that's a wrap.